0: Hi. Shannon Waller here and welcome to Inside Strategic Coach with Dan Sullivan. Dan, one of the conversations that's been coming up the last couple of months in the workshop and with regards to who not how is really one of the most important things you can do to both attract and keep and galvanize great who's is to be able to give them great purpose. And I find this an absolutely fascinating conversation because I'm all about teamwork and leadership and all those things. So talk to me a little bit about purpose and why it's so critical to do this. It really has been an interesting part of some of our, our conversations with our lead clients for yeah. a while.
1: Well, I'm going to combine two things. One, which was an idea by Dean Jackson, great marketing genius who is in Strategic Coach. And like many of my great relationships, I met Dean through Joe Polish, who's the greatest connector in my life. But Dean and I have a podcast series, which is called Welcome to Cloudlandia now. But we started off with a podcast. The original name for the podcast series was The Joy of Procrastination. Those episodes are still up under those names. And that's why I'm telling you. But at a certain point, it became Welcome to Cloudlandia. But what I told Dean that triggered the podcast series was that I had been coaching entrepreneurs for you know at that time more than 40 years and everybody procrastinates I've noticed I've never met an entrepreneur who doesn't procrastinate this is considered a bad thing and I think within our culture yeah it's a cause for shame it's a cause for guilt you know you would keep secret of the fact that you procrastinate and yet I've never met a successful entrepreneur who doesn't procrastinate about something, okay? Some people are okay with their activities at work, but they procrastinate about everything in their private life, and I've seen the reverse. So I told him, I said, you know, I think procrastination might be a total positive. And he says, what? And I says, yeah, it's an inner wisdom based on your life experience that you shouldn't take on activities that you don't like doing. And he said, have you known about this for a long time and you've kept it for me? I said, no, no, I just thought about it yesterday, maybe the day before. And I was meeting with you. I thought you'd be a good person to share this with. And he said, oh, my God, what an amazing idea. And I said, you're a goal setter. You set goals and you get very excited about the goal. But then all of a sudden you get kind of depressed. You get nervous. You get stressed out because... By being committed to a new goal, is bigger and better than anything you've done. It means that you have to do a lot of hows. You have to learn how to do new things, and it's kind of depressing. Okay, you're already busy. Your time is used up with what you already know. How. Now you got to learn something new. And I think what happens with most entrepreneurs, the goals don't get achieved, or... To relieve themselves of the stress, they stopped setting goals altogether because it's so painful afterwards. Okay. Right. One or the other, you know. So, anyway, he says, Well, why don't we start a podcast series and talk about this idea? And I said, Good. He says, We were at lunch on a Saturday and we did our first session. We did our first podcast the next day because he knew how to do it. He had a whole way of doing it. And so, Friday I have the idea. Saturday I tell them about the idea. Sunday we do the podcast. And Tuesday the podcast was released to the world. You know, so what that proves is that this was a good activity that we should be doing. You know, this was not something to procrastinate on. Anyway, we go along for about a year, and Dean brings in a diagram that he had done about two or three years. And it was a simple diagram that the goal was the what. There's you. There's the what, which is the bigger goal, and then there are the hows. And instead of you doing the hows, you find who's who do it. Okay. So that's for who, not how, which is a best-selling book right now. You can go to Amazon. You know, it's been a slam dunk book. We're up in the hundred and sixty thousand sales after not even a year yet. And, you know, it's attracted about 200-plus new entrepreneurs into the Strategic Coach program, and it's become the language of Strategic Coach in one year. Everybody's just, who, not how, who, not how, who, not how. Anyway, so Dean's given us the right to use it, and we've given him lifetime use of his own idea, and nobody else can use it without his permission or my permission. So, I mean, you can use it, but you can't start a program called Who Not How. Anyway, that's one part of my purpose presentation. The other one is I'm at a Joe Polish, one of the Genius Networks. So Babs and I are in Joe's program. We go to Scottsdale or Tempe. I think it's in Tempe where we actually go. And there's a speaker there, his name is Dave Osborne. And Dave is a incredibly successful real estate broker. You know, he's got a big network of agents and he's got other businesses. And he just kind of told us about a 30-year entrepreneurial career where he had troubles, you know, he had bankruptcies, you know, he had every trouble in the world. And he says, until one day I had an insight and that I was actually doing activities that competed with other people. So I couldn't attract other people because I wouldn't let them do what they're supposed to do when I hired them. And I would compete with them. And they were better than I was, but I was telling them how to do something that I didn't know how to do. And he said, that's the cause of a lot of my troubles. And he said, and then one day, I realized that 80% of the most talented people in the world can't create their own purpose for their capabilities. Mm. But I can. He said, I can create purpose for anybody's capabilities.
0: That's incredible. And he's from Keller Williams, right? Yeah. yeah. He's one
1: of the big Keller Williams people. Wow.
0: That's such a brilliant quote, Dan. Let me see if I have it right. 80% of the most talented people in the world can't create their own purpose. They can't
1: create a purpose for their, or their own capabilities. Own. Yeah. Yeah. And he said everything changed. He said that the only thing that I have to do in my life is actually just create new purposes for other people's great capabilities. So I'll merge that with who, not how, okay? Because there's a worry on the part of entrepreneurs because as an entrepreneur, you first go into the marketplace with some hows that you know how to do, okay? Mm -hmm. All entrepreneurs start their career. They can't go out and sell themselves as a who because nobody knows them and they have no reputation. They have no track record. The only thing that they can sell is some sort of how. They know how to solve a problem. They know how to create some sort of value. Mm -hmm. The problem is it's very dangerous, I think, the first three years of an entrepreneur's career because you can get hardwired on the hows that got you into the marketplace. Right. And you begin to think you can never give these hows up, you know. You're a little business, usually you're a one-person operation, and then you get some staff and everything else, but it's the biggest reason, long range, why small businesses are small businesses, because the entrepreneur has created a trap out of the house that Allowed them to survive as an entrepreneur. So they're in survival mode, basically, you know, their entire career. I mean, they may be successful compared to the fact if they had had a job doing those hows, but they're trapped. They can't get out of the house that did it. And the other thing is out in the marketplace, there are people who are incredibly better at these hows than you are, but you can't hire them because then you'd have to give up your how. It's kind of like a blankie, you know, your thumb in your mouth and you're holding your blankie. The entrepreneur's first house are like a blankie or a teddy bear, you know. I mean, it's okay when you're six. It's not okay when you're 36. You know, it's not okay when you're 56. just doesn't look good. And people can see, you know, human beings are very intuitive. Almost every human being in working with another human being has very shortly a very clear idea of what that other person should most spend their time doing. You know, all human beings are really experts on what other people should be doing, not so much for themselves, but they can see very clearly, you know, you shouldn't spend your time with doing that. You should just do this. Okay. So I've got, you know, thousands of entrepreneurs who've totally bought into who, not how, and they're shedding all these hows. Okay but they're not delegating to people who are not as good as them. They're actually handing over control of the project to people who are way better than them, okay? And they do it once, amazing. You know, they double their income just by freeing themselves up from the trap of the house. And they do it again, it works, they do it again. And then they hit a great fear. What if I'm left with nothing to do? What if superior people have taken control of all my house? What's left for me? I said, No, 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 no. Now you've discovered the mother load of being an entrepreneur. Okay. Nobody wants you to be doing any house except one, they just want you to give purpose for their unique abilities, for their great talents and capabilities. The only proper how for any entrepreneur in the world is actually to give purpose to other people's capabilities because other people can't do that. They can have their capability, but they can't give purpose because your capability is only valuable if it creates value for other people. So that's my thought on this.
0: (laughs) That's a very powerful thought, Dan. And it's interesting because I think a lot of people think that Everyone can give purpose to their own capabilities. But truthfully, it's a very, very, very small subset of the population and, frankly, successful entrepreneurs who can do that. So that's a massive mindset shift.
1: A real good example is in almost any field of sports, the superstars make terrible managers or coaches, okay? Yep. And the reason is that all their attention was – simply devoted to their entire existence about their performance. Mm -hmm. They don't have any feel. And oftentimes, the best, you know, whether you call them managers or coaches, they weren't stars. They weren't stars. As a matter of fact, Bill Belichick, who is arguably the greatest coach in the history of the National Football League, you know, he's got six Super Bowls, you know, which is the, the most. Didn't even play football. Really? No, his father was a coach, and he had a job of organizing the game films for scouting purposes when he was a teenager. And he just became a master strategist about what worked and what didn't work for whole teams Mm -hmm. from earliest age. But here's the thing, that if he didn't have a unique ability in that way, he would have left home, you know, so he didn't have to do this for his dad or, you know, whatever. He would get away from home, but he stayed with it. And then he, you know, moved up through the ranks and now he's the greatest coach. On the other hand, you know, Tom Brady, who was his quarterback, Tom Brady wouldn't have won six Super Bowls with any other coach. Mm -hmm. Well, he did the year after he left, but the team was created so that he could be the quarterback. You know, we'll see. You know how that does. But Tom Brady probably will not be a coach or he won't be a great coach. You know, almost no really great stars in football ever become great coaches. Same thing with the other sports.
0: It's a great point. It's almost like a really great specialist doesn't have that bigger, broader, more general perspective that's needed to kind of do that really big future visioning of what things could look like and have that kind of make-it-up quality. They're focused on a much narrower, you know, facet of it. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't necessarily appreciate that about themselves. They can see the big picture. They get excited by opportunities. They can envision the future Mm -hmm. and empowering other people. And I love how you talk about, you know, entrepreneurs are best when they're in charge, not in control. And in charge meaning charging people up with energy.
1: Um, Giving energy, giving vision, creating things to be motivated about that you're in charge, but actually controlling the action and you know, that, entrepreneurs shouldn't be in there. Not entrepreneurs. I mean, if you're in an industry and it's part of a corporation and that it's different because you're basically controlling things that already exist and, you know, you're maximizing the money potential of things that already exist. But entrepreneurs generally are creating new things in the marketplace. Cool. That require new projects, new capabilities. And the entrepreneurs the one to give the game plan, the vision, and give purpose, and then attract the attention. The word is not here, delegation, because it's not been done before. So you might as well get the greatest talent you can and just give them a purpose. Say, we want to achieve this, and we think you have the skills. And you don't have to tell them how to do it because you don't know how to do it. They know how to do it. You give them something new, they'll create something new, but it's within their framework. But they couldn't have created anything if you hadn't given them the purpose.
0: And one of the things I know about, you know, strategic coach team is full of incredibly talented who's and Dan working on projects with you is one of the most fun things anyone in our company could do in my esteemed opinion, because I'm part of that, is that you're always creating new things. You know, it's like talking to Suvi about creating a new video about our book teamwork, or if it's about creating a new podcasting, hey, Shannon, we're going to do a podcast together or a workshop. And
1: New podcast.
0: Yeah, you said, okay, we're going to do this, Shannon. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Which was really fun. The teamwork was easy. You know, you just leave so much room for people to show up. You're a master at identifying capabilities and talent very clear on your own, very clear on other people's, and then you create opportunities for that to produce something of value. I'd love to know if someone's having an aha moment right now listening to this, what is a practical action that they can take to get better at either giving people purpose, figuring out how to communicate it better? If someone says, hey, Dan, coach me on how to get better at conveying purpose to some who's, what would you tell them?
1: I have a checkoff with any new goal. It's a series of questions that I ask myself. You know, first of all, I bought into the goal. It'll be a terrific thing if we pull this off. So I'm totally sold on the goal. And I have a rule. I'll never try to sell other people on anything that I'm not completely sold on. Okay, so my being sold on something in no way depends upon other people being sold on it. So I think it through, and I said, I'm totally sold on this. And I said, whatever it takes to get this, I'm prepared to, you know, I'm an owner of the company. I have access to resources to get the right people in place and fund the activity. So that's my first rule. And a lot of entrepreneurs, I would say maybe 10% of entrepreneurs, would have that rule that they never even talk about anything with their team until they're absolutely sold on it. Yeah. And the reason is, I want everybody to know that if Dan's talking about it, it's 100% in his mind.
0: That is such a critical point. And having coached entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial teams for 25 plus years, it's amazing how many entrepreneurs don't actually take their ideas seriously. And that's really what you're talking about. And then the team has trouble taking it seriously. And some people have had the Wait three times rule. Wait until you hear the idea three times and then you know he or she actually means it. That is not an effective communication strategy, just saying. So, Dan, when you say something, you've sold yourself and we know that you've discarded other ideas that didn't make the cut. And there's such confidence then that if someone else contributes their energy, you're not going to change your mind. And that's one of the biggest dangers for team members. They're like, okay, is this person actually going to stick with this or is this a fly-by-night idea?
1: Well, the other thing is they're already busy. You know, they're already busy with things. And if you create a new thing, then priorities have to be rearranged. Adjustments have to be made. Okay. And I don't want to waste their time. You know, the thing that I dread most, now we're in our fourth decade of doing strategic, the thing that I dread most and I hate most is that I would waste the time and talent of my team members um, on a project that I wasn't sold on.
0: The fact that you don't take that for granted is so, I was going to say heartwarming, but it's even confidence-inspiring for the team because to know that you hold them in such high esteem that it would just be a dreadful thing for you to waste their time or, or talent or expertise. Yeah.
1: I don't experience much guilt in life, but I do experience guilt over that particular hit. I feel really badly if I've wasted the time, the talent, the energies of my team members.
0: Thank you. I like that. So, Dan, are there any other rules or, or things that you do to make sure? Oh, then,
1: then, you know, the next rule is that you can frame the project. Well, first of all, you can frame the goal inside of a project. Mm. It's got a beginning, a middle, and an end. And my own nervous system doesn't really, really extend too much further into the future than 90 days. Okay. So for the most part, if you work with Dan, you'll never be part of a project that can't be completed in 90 days. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's neat because most people can fuel up and Still have gas in the tank at the end of 90 days, you know. So, what it means is that everybody on the team is going to have the satisfaction of success within a 90 day period. And you can do that four times in a year.
0: <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, those are two rules. So, if you work with me, one is I'm not going to waste your time and energy by something that's conditional. It's not conditional. I'm totally committed. And the other thing is the achievement is within a quarter. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: I would add there's a ton of freedom to contribute your expertise. Yeah, and
1: the other thing is I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I'm simply going to say that when we're finished, this is what it looks like, okay? And I know you're going to make a great contribution, but you're going to figure out, since I'm telling you what it looks like at the end, I'm telling you what the checkoff marks are of completion and success and everything that I'm depending on you in your use of your own skill to figure out how you're going to get there. And I'm depending on you to work out teamwork with other people on the team and how to do that. And I don't want to spend any time thinking about that.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that amount of freedom is not common, I would say.
1: Yeah. Let me tell you, I'm not tempted at all to interfere.
0: No. You are not, and I think because of that, Dan, you actually get the best out of people. I can name examples in the company. I can name examples, you know, in your personal life when you've just given people over, you know, a project, and it's like, okay, it's up to you, and then you show up at the end without micromanaging them through the middle, and they're like, this has never happened before. It's transformational for the people involved in the process.
1: And quite amazingly, I just had something happen over the past week where something was created that's really quite extraordinary it was a video a two-minute video that was for a really big project that i have with other teams someone just got the idea to do it and they got together and did it and it's just a major new capability for us and i said that's really a reward to me for giving other people clarity of purpose about what I'm up to and what I'm trying to achieve, that they can think up solutions for me that I haven't even conceived of.
0: That makes me think of, Dan, you know, in terms of our 10X, we talk about having a self-managing company, but a self-multiplying company is where those innovations bubble up. And when there's room and capacity for people to innovate and create and go, oh, here, and you're like, whoa, I had no idea that was coming. That's pretty magical. So a company that grows itself, which is, my definition of a self-multiplying company is pretty spectacular. And then you get to be the recipient. So it actually comes back to you in some really fun, innovative and interesting ways.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, more and more, not so much in the 20th century. So I was born in the 1940s. But what I've noticed in the course of my lifetime, that more and more people want to achieve meaning and satisfaction and significance during their work life, mm. you know during the hours that they spend in work, you know they want to have a great personal life, but it's hard for them to have a great personal life if they don't have a great work life and I think more and more of this is becoming a condition you know that people are requiring, and if you can provide them the purpose combined with giving them the freedom, I don't think anyone can compete with you for their services. I think that once you give people both purpose and you give them freedom, and then they get great meaning and satisfaction out of their work, I don't think you can buy them off. And we pay them well. I mean, it's not like we're shortchanging them on money. I mean, they get paid you know, what anybody else would pay them. But I just think that money is great if the other things are there first.
0: And that's actually been proven that money is not number one, number two, I think it's even four or five down the list. But often people want more money to compensate for a lack of purpose and for a lack of meaning and just that lack of freedom. So not that I want anyone to pay anyone less necessarily, but it's an interesting, you have to overcompensate with money if you don't provide those other things.
1: Yeah. And the other thing is I don't enjoy managing people. I don't enjoy monitoring people. I don't enjoy. That makes my work life very unsatisfactory that if I have to do any of those things.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But, and again, those talented people are the ones that you attract. I love, love, love this conversation. And to my mind, one of the conversations I've been hearing a lot lately is the challenge in finding people and people were unhappy with their old positions and they are looking for someone where they can experience that purpose and that, you know, definitely pay as part of it, but more important, that freedom to contribute in their best possible way to something that's really meaningful and contributing. So I think you've totally nailed it in terms of how people can have an advantage in the marketplace of attracting and keeping and you know we have a longevity in our company that's very unusual
1: the other thing it's a bit of a filter because you know if you took the entire population of people who are in the marketplace looking for work or looking for the best kind of work a lot of them aren't really confident enough to work under conditions where they're free to use their own capabilities to achieve a purpose, you know. So I think it's, you know, maybe 5% of the marketplace have really talented people. You can have really talented people, but they don't have the confidence to take responsibility for being free to produce a result on an agreed-upon purpose. So, you know, it's not everybody who can do this. And people say, boy, let's get the whole marketplace that way. I said, the whole... Population is never something, you know. I mean, just to attract the people. You know, I don't need 8 billion people, you know. <laughs> and I think transforming the enthusiasm and motivation for work of 8 billion people. Oh, that's just way too big a project for me. Can't do it in 90 days. You know, you can't do it in 90 days. It would take me totally out of my unique ability trying to do that. So I'm not going to take that on as a project, you know. I love Saving that. the world is, phew, that's way above my pay grade, way above my security clearance.
0: <laughs> it's true, but you do make the world around you a lot better for everyone in the dance. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's the only world I have to negotiate with is the one around me, so mm-hmm. I'll just make it good. I've really gotten clear about some things just in the conversation here. And I'm a real purist. I think I have really good rules for playing a great game, but I have to tell you, I play by my own rules. Mm-hmm. Once we're agreed on the project, I'm a member of the team.
0: Well, and that's what makes it fun. You're a great teammate. You know, I know what I could count on you for. You know what you can count on me for. You don't try and do my job. I don't try and do yours. And so that means we've got a great creative collaboration and everything's very count I mean, we can create new things, but we know how it's going to work and it's incredibly fun and satisfying. I love the idea about 90 days because when one's done, you're like, teams like, okay, what's next? What new cool thing can we apply our talents to? So they're looking for that purpose that you're talking about. Dan, this is one of the most fun conversations. Just you've illuminated a lot of things. It's, you know, you're know, you coming up with new things, and I'm getting new insights too. So I know that this will inspire a lot of folks to really appreciate their ability to create purpose for others and then hopefully attract people with great entrepreneurial attitudes so they can have not only self-managing but self-multiplying companies. So thank you. Great conversation.
1: Thank you, to Shannon. And we've had amazingly good teamwork over the years.
0: We certainly have.